Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show. Today we are thrilled uh, to have been able to secure a session with uh, an active fraudster. Um, and this active fraudster, we're going to call uh, them uh, Anonymous T. Uh, we've prepped the session to be particular on one subject, and the subject is money laundering. Um, so we understand this particular fraudster has operated uh, in this space for a decent amount of time. And uh, one of their specialities in the criminal underworld is around how to recycle funds um, and the thought process around it. So uh, Anonymous T, thank you so much for taking a bit of time uh, to jump on to our podcast. Hey guys, thank you very much and happy to share some insights regarding money laundering. What is money laundering in your definition? Can you start off with that, please? Of course. Uh, In my definition, money laundering means that you have a source of income, which might be not totally legal. And then you look for ways how to actually appear in front of tax authorities as a legitimate person with a legitimate source of income. Okay, cool. That's uh, that's simple. I think all of our audience uh, has probably heard of uh, the TV show Breaking Bad. <laughs> and uh, when I think of money laundering, I think of Saul's uh, three-step explanation to the process uh, that you have to think about there. The ecosystem of the kind of underground uh, online fraud, is that seen as like a, a, a niche service that you provide or... Do you layer that on top of other services? How does it work in the ecosystem? In the ecosystem, kind of everyone is solving this problem based on their location or where they are residents in, where they have to meet the requirements of the tax authorities. I would say that the deep web forums, uh, or let's say on carding or fraud forums, they don't really talk a lot about this topic because there are much more and in-depth forums and guides available on the clean net. Fraud is just one small piece or one small way of how someone can earn in illegal ways. Interesting. That that's a that's a yeah scary point that uh, you're saying that the the good info is just available for all of us to search <laughs> for money laundering. It's it's just what happens to the funds after the the whatever activity, whether it's criminal, uh, which is probably going to be criminal, right? While you're while you're cleaning money. To dial it back a little bit, you mentioned an interesting point. It depends on jurisdiction, on geography. Does that mean in your experience, um, anonymous T? that there were certain regions that you um, provided that service for, and then you would have to speak to someone else if you were in that geog- in the other geographies. It, was that the case? Exactly. In every country, or let's say in almost every country, depends on when you are, it's really up to the tax authority of how in that search they do about individuals. Like uh, how can you be still and how you are more of a target for them. Let's say in places such as uh, the Canary Islands, or let's say the United Arab Emirates, or I would say some Middle Eastern countries, you can have a source of income outside from that country, and they really make you account for it. They don't really get into that as long as you are there. But it doesn't mean you can go to another country and then continue your lifestyle as you did in those countries. What are some of the basics that you uh, advise your customers on when you're having to uh, launder their money? What are some of the things that you are teaching them about? I would say that money laundering uh, is part of the act. Of course, you cannot be anyhow related to your personal identity, cannot be related to your source of income. 
If you are into any kind of coding or you offer a service and if you get paid in crypto such as Bitcoin, then you're in a good position because then to turn Bitcoin or crypto into legitimate looking funds is rather easy. So, the most important thing is to tumble your Bitcoins, which means that it will be invisible in the blockchain. There are many services which offer for a certain percentage for this service. What they do is create a wallet where you can send funds and then they send through to your target as they want to send money or receive. It works both ways to take your coins apart to really small pieces to explain really high level and then they tend to mix in this huge pool and that gets mixed between other peers, the people who use the service. As said, charge a percentage for the service, usually 2 to 4%, and then it cannot be visible or traced. They would see only it went into this cloud and then they don't know where it originates from. So, uh, even if you use your personal real account to purchase Bitcoin, uh, or let's say Bitcoins to your real wallet, which you sign upon, Coinbase gets them whatever legitimate exchange. Then they cannot see what is the actually the coins coming from or going to, which is really useful because that's a real big advantage of the blockchain, that it's transparent. You can track and trace it, but not if you tumble itself. Really highly recommended to use this. Is that literally bulletproof then, from your experience? So once it's tumbled, there's no, there's no kind of way to reverse engineer the kind of the, the chain, the blockchain uh, in terms of that transaction? There might be ways, but it's an incredible resource heavy to do it. So anyone can create as many wallets as they want. So the systems create hundreds of millions of wallets and they don't know whoever owns the wallets. No one sees the traffic on this wallet. Okay. And, and is there any risk as well? If you're um, a fraudster and you're using one of these services to tumble, is there actually any risk from that service um, almost defrauding you or, or not really, would you say? I would say you have to always use verified sites and services. I have to research before I use any of those services. But I've heard about people being scammed because they tend to a scam. It disappears and it's a risk you have to take always if you are involved in this activity. But someone who has already some funds to launder may be already aware of the consequences and the risk for doing this business. Do you, do you want to speculate on uh, these kind of crypto tumblers then uh, that kind of mi mix it all up so it's untraceable? Do you want to uh, speculate how much of that business is <laughs> probably down to money laundering and kind of obfuscating funds? Is that, is that like a big part of it, do you think? I think who use services are one of the persons for the money laundering reasons. Interesting. And so, so what other technologies um, in that kind of space do you have to think about uh, from, from your side of the fence? So even if you have high amounts of Bitcoin, which you have earned, as said, doing some illegal activities, you're going to have many options. If you are more of a risk taker, you can just go on, look at Bitcoins and create that kind of information. You can meet up in person with someone who provides cash for the coins and then they buy the coins. You can say, I don't even exist. But you will meet someone face to face though, and there's a risk, and of course, you have to then launder some of the money in a way that the tax authority won't see it. If you buy an expensive house or car, then you have to be accountable for those expenses, and then if you are not accountable because you just happen to have, without any paid high jobs or let's say inheritance, then you can be targets for the tax authorities. There are many ways, as you can see. Many gambling websites suffer from money launderers because money launderers are aware of the payout ratios of the different games and the fantasy roulette and the blackjack or casino games. So they know that if they invest a specific amount, they get back like 24% uh, on the long run, which if they still lose 6%, 
but if you have an income from external money, then it's a legitimate source of income. So the tax for it depends on your discretion and the country where you are. Then you are fine. So it's quite a common occurrence that people use those gambling sites to launder money as well, as you can set up a business somewhere because of the old school way. Fake invoices, fake income, and then you can also pay taxes after that. This can have deliberations on how you create online and offline business. It's quite manual effort heavy, because then you have to create fake invoices, fake customers, which is not really noticeable in terms of how and then, and what way they appear as customers or buyers of your business. Some people might not even go to that length if they think that it's easier for them to just slap a business in a more relaxed jurisdiction like uh, Cyprus and the EU. Or you can go to other countries around the world, even Hong Kong, Indonesia or the UAE. And they allow you to create business with really low taxation and ownership structure. And as long as you don't appear in things the Panama Papers, you should be fine. So in that way, uh, you pay taxes and then, if you're a resident of those countries, you might be fined as if in your country those places are rather high risk or flat, and then you are doing business such as purchasing a house or, you know, uh, purchasing a car, you country to a company which are located that is mighty suspicious, so they may ask questions. So, as long as, uh, you know, you are having real business, if you think about the car wash business could be a good example. If you can keep up the business and then you act like the income you have from your source is also a legal source on people, then you should be fine. If you are more risk taker, you can go and purchase legit bank accounts or even foreign exchange accounts with someone else's identity. So you can purchase those British accounts, which then you can use to accept the coins and then use the ATM bank card to withdraw cash. So as long as you don't purchase an expensive house, uh, a car and just pay for your daily expenses or save up the money to think about laundering later, it might work because it plays like cash. And as said, if you tumble Bitcoin, it becomes untraceable. So, you are lucky if you have that kind of income, and it's the easy way to launder and use. Give me back to the gambling uh, example you mentioned as a way to um, launder money as well. So, you talked about games that have certain pair percentages and research done uh, for that. In your experience, do you tend to find that it is its own kind of underworld service where it's almost like an outside service? Or are you finding that people that uh, have enough money to launder out uh, they are contracting with someone like you and you in turn are kind of pushing that funds throughout whatever channel there is, whether it's gambling sites, whether it's um, maybe trading Forex sites, uh, you know, other kind of ways that they can lose and gain money legitimately. So it's washed on the other end. How does that work? Um, I'm curious. I would say you should act on your own. That's a responsibility. Because if they did decide who was playing on the gambling side was trading on the right side, you can be in a position to say, oh, it was for the right service. I don't know. The person who gambled for me would mean you have to be the one who appears to be so lucky that they won the jackpot and have all the winning. And obviously, there are other methods which involve commodities, which are more mobile. Let's say buying and selling with gems and gold. You know, you can easily put them into your luggage or get them to another country and deposit somewhere in a safe and then I rather attempt to keep the value. I mean, it's not like I have a higher value at a later stage. So, those are quite good as well, or you can also buy and sell tangible assets. There are many ways. The most important thing is to stay under the radar of tax authorities. So, in some countries uh, they have schemes that they know people who actually have a lot of money in. The government creates kind of um, like a grey zone, where you have to invest your money in their own bonds and stocks. 
and keep it there for 5 or 10 years and they don't ask any information of the source of the income or the money and you just keep that for 5 years. You get back the money after 5 years and no troubles in getting it back afterwards. So it's also quite clear that's a quite smart way. Also curious to like the chatter for this kind of information. Uh, so, you know, where where people learn about which jurisdictions are particularly lax, that are particularly favorable. Any, any kind of heads up to where you guys are sharing that kind of information? That's a good question. How to say that the perfect location depends on where you want to buy this specific house or boat or car. So it's up to those laws and regulations which are in place or whether I would say Central America is usually a safe bet and as far as some Middle Eastern countries, in some places, it's really suggested to avoid such as the US because they have really strict laws with money laundering in some places of Europe and more relaxed like Ukraine, for example, or even Russia to some extent. So they know that people are actually relocating those places to buy that house and spend their money over there because they know that. The countries would be happy to take those investments and they would really tend to ask so many questions. Really curious if from your point of view, uh, Anonymous T, is there any telltale signs that you as a business uh, can almost spot that these funds are starting to be used for money launderers channeling via your business? Is there any kind of telltale signs like high volume, lots of transactions where they almost don't care about the results like a betting site, like you mentioned, because they're starting to pour money in? You know, money laundering is looking at velocity how much money is going through and how fast. So, every organization which takes care of money laundering, they really look at it from different aspects. The real good ones, the smart ones, the big corporations, big banks, consider the sum of money, not just the number of transactions, but they also know how quickly it goes through. And of course, there are different directives in the EU. For example, up to 2,500 euros. They don't have to ask for identity documents. But then fraudsters and scammers tend to like set up enough accounts to stay under the radar and not to meet that requirement when they have to upload their documents. Some less sophisticated systems doesn't really take care of the sum of money, but the number of transactions. Some of them work in the other way. They care about just a single amount of transactions, but they don't care about how many of those transactions are going through. So you can have five years of transactions 1000 times. They won't see it. You don't really see the other side. When you are flagged, and the gambling sites might not be even talk to the authorities in that sense, because they think that, uh, you know, it's a person who is spending just money. It is also their business, their interest, to keep the customer journey quite frictionless and the user experience high. So, they tend to ask questions when it's ultimately really necessary. That's really useful. Anonymous TM, rounding up on the show, our uh, podcast uh, is called the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast. So we always ask our guests, and particularly in your world, Anonymous T, we're always fighting, uh, you know, between the cat and the mouse. I'm curious to who you think, between the fraud fighter or the professional fraudster, who is the cat in that instance and who is the mouse and why? In my opinion, the fraudsters are the cats who are chasing the mouse because they think that they exist because the mouse is not doing probably 100% job or it's not possible to do a 100% job. So you can do a 99.99% kind of accuracy but it's the business interest to, in some cases, just to not take care of the issues, but as far as who are involved in money laundering. I know that this is the source of income. So, to solve in any way, to keep up the lifestyle, they have to avoid the attention from the tax authority, and there are so many ways to do it. It's just not possible to ever stop this, 
And then you see our whole life moving digital. More transaction can be done. Digital is just opening more and more fronts of doing such activities. So I think we are not just one, but two steps ahead. I mean, the cat is supposed to chase the mouse, but I think the cat is stronger and faster than the mouse. Very big, scary cat, it sounds like, with that description. Um, Anonymous T, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.